0: Welcome, everyone. It's good to see you today in worship, whether you're worshiping with us online or here in the sanctuary. It's a joy to have you with us uh, today. We have so many things going on in life at our church. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about those later on in our worship service, but today... What is significant for us and what we're blessed to have with us today is Dr. Michael Beck, who is going to be our guest preacher today. Yesterday, Michael led a workshop for the Pacific Northwest Conference of the Free Methodist Church for a variety of pastors and leaders on the Fresh Expressions movement. And the Fresh Expressions movement is a way in which churches are launching new ministries, fresh, innovative ministries, to reach new people. And they can happen within existing congregations, and even in existing congregations like us. Uh. <laughs> and so uh, Michael travels around the United States speaking and working with churches, conferences, and other uh, ecumenical bodies, teaching them about how they can engage in this work of the Fresh Expressions movement in their own local churches and even at regional levels. He is a professor at United Theological Seminary, and he also pastors along with his wife, Jill, two churches in the United Methodist Church in the north-central area of Florida. And so he brings experience in pastoral ministry, and the Fresh Expressions movement, teaching and theological higher education, and it is a gift to have Michael with us today. So uh, let's all welcome him as he comes to bring us the message today.
1: Well, good morning everyone. It is really a joy to be with you this morning. It's a little bit chillier here than in Florida, um, but not unbearable. So I'm I'm grateful to be with y'all. Hey, can you look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor? Say hey neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Hey neighbor. Are you in the hood? Are you in the hood? Are you in the apostlehood of all believers? Now, how many of you have heard of the priesthood of all believers? Anybody? Okay, wow, amen. You've been doing a good job here, Pastor. Uh, The priesthood of all believers, it's a fitting thing to think about on this Reformation Sunday because one of the central ideas, uh, a scriptural idea, but also that really uh, gained steam in the Reformation was this idea that every single person is a priest uh, ordained in the waters of our baptisms to be representations of Jesus in the world. Amen? Amen. But have you ever heard of the apostlehood of all believers? That's what I want to share with you about today, and it's an idea that every single follower of Jesus is sent out into the world to uh, embody our faith and live that out in every space and rhythm and relationship uh, in our daily lives. Uh, And so I want to tell you about the season that, that my wife and I go through often. We have eight kids in the blended family. There's our small tribe of uh, kids right there and our two pugs, Vader and Ferdinand. They're also part of the family. It's 10 kids if you include them. In um, every uh, time they, they go to this certain phase in their development, our children do, uh, that we like to call the oh shoot handle season of their development. Uh, that's my son, Michael Jr. Some of you already know what I'm talking about with the oh shoot Handle season. Uh, and that's Michael getting his learner's permit uh, to begin driving. Somebody said, oh dear, can I get an amen from the parents in the house? Right? Uh, so Michael's got his learner's permit. He's ready to go. He's went in. He's taken the, the quiz. Uh, uh, and we call this the oh shoot Handle season. Uh, does everybody know the, season, the handle to which I refer? Do you all know the the handle I'm talking about? So it's that handle that you grab when a traffic situation has gone horribly wrong. You all know which one I'm talking about now? Uh, So you grab that handle and you hit the imaginary brake when you're riding passenger. Some of you more sanctified folks, you can call it the heaven help me handle. Do you all understand what handle I'm talking about now? Uh So when I get in the vehicle and our kids are learning how to drive... We're doing a lot of that oh shoot handle grabbing season, right? Um, But because we love our kids, we don't simply just throw them into the vehicle and say, hey, you took the quiz, you got the learner's permit, you know, figure it out, right? But we get in the vehicle with our children and we say, here's how you use the turn signal, the windshield wipers, put it in drive, here's the brake pedal, make sure you got that that one. Can I get an amen? amen? Brake pedal. Uh, now we're going to go up here, we're going to make a right, we're going to go over here and make a left, we're going to do a U-turn now in parallel parking, and we teach our children how to drive in the process of driving. Now, I think this is a great uh, metaphor for the church. As followers of Jesus, uh, we don't become Christians by simply taking the quiz, going to a Bible study, and getting like our Christian learner's permit. Um, We become Christians as we learn to faithfully and fruitfully follow Jesus in the world. And it's as if the Lord uh, comes into our life and he shows us uh, how, how to be a Christian in the process of living. So I want you to go up here and make a left and make a right. Uh, see that person over there? The Lord, the Lord speaks to us and says, I want you to, to love on that person. Or or tell that person about me, or, or uh, go into that community. And, and, uh, and a lot, also, a lot of times, we get the U-turn dummy from the Lord. Anybody get that one? Hey, you're going the wrong way. Turn around. U-turn. Anybody get that a lot from the Holy Spirit? Can I get an amen from anybody? Okay, we've got a couple honest people in the house this morning. Um, but as we're doing that, um, as we're kind of faithfully, wildly driving Jesus' mission forward in the world sometimes Jesus should be grabbing the oh shoot handle as we do that and I feel like a lot of times in the church today there's not a lot of oh shoot handle uh, grabbing going on in fact sometimes it feels like um, our mission as the church of Jesus is in park and we're kind of sitting in the parking lot and don't know how to go forward in this new world Where the majority of people don't go to church anymore. And they're not going to come to church no matter how good we do it. So, how do we embody the life and the love of Jesus in the world in this changed reality? How do we join the apostlehood of all believers? I want to share that with you this morning. Can we pray over the Word of God? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. It is a light unto our path, it is a mirror. That shows us who we are. It is a revelation, O oh God, that shows us who you are. And so we pray that this would not be simply time of just another church service, but we come humbly seeking an encounter with you. We ask that you would cause these words to burst forth from their ink cage and to live and dance in us and incarnate ways. And we ask a Holy Spirit that you would give us the strength to not simply be hearers of the word only but doers also. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Go on your way. I'm sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Does anybody else get excited about that command? Go on your way. I'm sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Uh, that that's kind of, sounds kind of dangerous to me. Can I get an amen? Amen. Um, This doesn't sound like it's a uh, risk-free, safe kind of proposition, does it? Uh, But the word there and the word that's repeated in our passage this morning multiple times is this word sent or sending, and it's the word in the Greek that's apostello, from where we get the word apostolic or an apostle, a sent one or a sent people. It's a really, really important word for the church. In fact, uh, in the 300s A.D., when they were kind of formulating the Nicene Creed, kind of some of the essentials of what we believe as followers of Jesus, they said a lot about God the Father, uh, a lot about God the Son. They said a little bit about God the Holy Spirit. They didn't quite know what to do with the wild child of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, it seems. Uh, But then when they get to the church, it's just four words. The church is one and holy and Catholic and apostolic. And those words, oneness, comes from the the unity or the koinonia of the church. And so Paul gives us seven ones, one Lord, one God, one Father, one baptism, right? The holiness of the church means we worship a holy God, a God of chesed, unfailing love, whose reigning central attribute is this profuse uh, outpouring love and as we worship that god we too become transfigured and become holy as we learn to love god and love neighbor can i get an amen Amen. Um, and then there's the catholicity of the church little c don't freak out little c or you could say the universal nature of the church Uh, so that's the the church is part of this wider body, the body of Christ in the world, of all people, of all cultures, of all races, spaces, times across the whole uh, of creation. But then there's this word uh, apostolic. The church is sent or it's missionary by its very nature. The church is sent out into the world. And for a long time, that, that word apostolic, uh, ha, we've kind of forgotten that word in the church in some ways. We've forgotten that part of our life together. And we've been able to just kind of come to buildings and, and hear a great sermon and worship the Lord and maybe do some Bible studies throughout the week. Um, but this idea of how do we go out into the world and, and be sent um, and share the gospel with people for whom it's good and it's also news That has been kind of lost on us in some ways. And so I want to share about that a little bit this morning. Now, this text is really kind of a missional blueprint for us of of how to, like, be Christians. And it it worked quite well in a pre-Christian world, but maybe it'll work quite well in a post-Christian world, too. And so this idea of being sent, nowhere does Jesus gather the disciples and say, Hey, I want you all to build buildings. I'm going to stick up a sign and say, Hey, meet me here at 9 and 11 on Sundays, and I'll tell you about the kingdom of God. That's not in the Bible. You can double-check me on that. You can Google it. It's not there. Um, but what he does say is he gets the whole 70 or 72, depending on the translation of the text. And really, that's enough to cover the whole world, to cover all the ethne, to cover all the nations uh, of the earth. Um, and so not, not some people get sent. Not a couple of disciples get sent in this paradigm. Everybody gets sent, right? Look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor. Neighbor. You're part, of the You're part of the everybody. You're part of the everybody. Everybody gets sent. Uh, it's not some people get to kind of chill back and, and be pew potatoes and then a, a select group gets sent. Everybody gets sent together uh, to do the very things that Jesus is doing. And so he says, you know, it's going to be dangerous. There's gonna be, it's going to be like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no back, travel light. So that's a journey of faith. It's a journey of risk, but it's a journey of trusting God, that God's going to be with us in this, uh, that God's gone before us in this, that there's nowhere that we're going to go where God's not already there. There's no life that we're going to encounter that that Jesus is not already working in that person's life. Um, And so with this traveling light, leaving your baggage, leaving your stuff behind, uh, greet nobody on the road. There's an urgency to this, like get out there, let's do this. Um, And, and, uh, before uh, he says this the first thing he says is the the lord of the harvest ask the lord of the harvest to send workers Uh, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few did you know that in the united states of america especially in seattle and the pacific northwest that we are in a harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few situation could y'all say amen to that um, that we are in a big mission field. In fact, this is the third largest mission field in the world. The mission field is not over there somewhere where we send people. I can, in fact, people are sending missionaries to us, right? We, we are the third largest mission field in the world, the land of the nuns, the duns, the no church, the D church, I don't want anything to do with church. That's kind of where we find ourselves. And so the harvest is indeed plentiful and the labors are indeed few. And the first thing the Lord asks us to do is to pray. And ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers. We need to be committed in prayer uh, and and have people dedicated to praying that missional prayer of Jesus. Lord, send workers. We see the harvest. We see the brokenness in the world. We see the people that are not coming to church. They're they're not going to hear the gospel unless we go out and share it with them in a new and creative way. We see that. but then Jesus kind of says, but now I want you to become the answer to your own prayer and put sneakers on your prayer, right? And now go. So we pray and then we go. And, and there's not really a separation of those things. We prayerfully go. We go as we pray and we go out and we do these things. And we find the person of peace, the person of peace. So Jesus says when you go into these places, you're going to find people that welcome you. Uh, they're going to say, come on to my house. Um, and, and come and eat with me. And then he says, uh, uh, eat whatever's set before you. Now this is really, really good news, friends, because this is theological validation for the potluck. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get an amen? Because when Methodists meet, we eat. Thank you. The true Methodists in the house are, 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 know, that, know that saying. Um, so we go and we eat. We do life with these people. So notice here that there's a posture of like vulnerability that we need the people that we're sent to just as much as they need us. So it's not we're coming with all the resources and all the power and all the... It's, it's, there's a mutuality in that. And the church across history, we've gotten it really, really wrong when we think we bring God with us and we want to make other people look like we look or speak like we speak. And what Jesus is saying here is there's a, there's a mutuality and a vulnerability that's happening in this, and it's about relationship. Now, one way to think about this in a network society uh, where people typically don't know their neighbors anymore. Uh, in a network society, we use technology and we, we connect around practices uh, and we, we do things together and people form their relationships through that. And so persons of peace can be those people that uh, open up relational places to us or open up spaces in the community or open up um, different kind of practices. And that can be an online thing as well. And they welcome us in and we build that relationship and we share the gospel. And then we do all these other things. We cure the sick. We proclaim the kingdom and all those things that Jesus did himself. Um, So. Uh, I want to just share quickly a little uh, a, a snippet uh, of um, uh, the church that my wife and I currently serve, and then ask you all some questions to think about um, your own rhythms and practices and friendships that you have in your life. But This is our little church that we serve. We've been here for 11 years, Wildwood, UMC, founded in 1881. Uh, and when we came to the congregation, uh, we doubled the congregation our first Sunday with our blended family. We doubled it, uh, highest attendance increase in the whole conference, double first Sunday. If you want to just double congregation, just have a small country of children. Can I give an amen? Um, and, and most of our folks that, that we came to the church were chronologically mature, um, so they had the, the gift of uh, chronological maturity, um, but, but didn't have uh, a, a lot of energy, uh, We're kind of just kind of hoping the church didn't close. We were on the closure list. Things were not really going well. And so we began to pray. And we began to ask the Lord, Lord, uh, show us the people no one else wants or sees. Help us love them. Help us reach them. We just got a small group of people that were committed to pray for that. We got a small group of people that were committed to like go around our community and prayer walk the community and get to know our community. Uh, and this is a small little handful of people. We began to do that. Now, 11 years later, uh, we, we invited in a, a black Pentecostal church plant and a, a Latinx um, uh, church plant ofgleciago and in God's glory ministry. We all kind of came together as one church with multiple congregations. But then we started to ask people, what's your hobby, passion or interest? What do you like to do every week outside the church? Who do you like to do it with? Uh, what are some things that you would do, even if nobody showed up, you would do it on your own? Uh, and so Larry, one of our, our, our members, 70 years old, planted his first church. And Larry said, well, pastors, we, we kind of, I go to the dog park on Saturdays, and I hang out with my dog, uh, Rocky, and I got a couple friends, we gather there, we talk about uh, he's got this big Labradoodle dog. Um, and we talk about sports and the weather and what's going on in the world. And we just kind of meet there in the dog park. And so he we said, well, Larry, what if you were to get that group of people? We'll be alongside you as you do this. And just, you know, invite them to a time of prayer or, or to share a, a spiritual story or to ask a question. Hey, what spiritual practices are important to you in your life? And so at 70 years old, Larry planted his first church. It's called, he calls it Pause of Praise. It's church happening in a dog park, uh, and the humans come in, have a passing of the peace. The dogs come in, have a sniffing of the butts. We try not to ever get that crossed up. But it's church, but it's church happening with with dogs. So we bring our two little pugs, and Rocky's there, the Labrador. They run around and play and worship, and we gather. Larry leads what we call a Jesus story, so he'll just tell a simple story from Jesus' life for five minutes. Then he'll ask some questions, and here he is, you know, pastoring his own little congregation. So that's going on. We have a thing called Burritos and Bibles where we gather in the Moe's Southwest Grill, and we eat burritos and all-you-can-eat chips and salsa, and we worship Jesus. And we have open table communion in that space. We invite everybody in the restaurant that wants to come and join us for communion to do that. Um, it, it's uh, uh, who, who doesn't want to have church with all you can eat chips and salsa and burritos? Can I get an amen on that? And we have a lot of people that don't go to church. They're never going to walk into our uh, formal building church on a Sunday morning. But they're gathering in these things and being baptized and taking their first communion and coming to faith in these. Denise started a church called uh, Church 3.1. Her passion and hobby was to run these 5Ks, these mud runs, these marathon things that she does. So she gets a group of friends together, takes out her phone, does the Jesus story, uh, says, hey, this Jesus story is interesting to me. If it happened today, what would it look like? people weigh in on that, they run a 5k, they come back, they pray, they do their thing, um, and uh, uh, they're having church around a passion and thing that they, they like to do. So we have 13 of these things happening, and tattoo parlors, and yoga studios, and uh, online, uh, and actually in a virtual reality as well. This is called uh, uh, Living Room Church VR, so we put on our headsets we gather together in uh, alt space, and we worship Jesus, and we have a sermonic conversation uh, and prayer, and we lay hands on each other as avatars. We pray for each other, uh, and we're worshiping Jesus there in the metaverse. Did y'all know that Jesus is the Lord of the metaverse too? He's not just the Lord of the universe, the Lord of the cosmos, the Lord of the multiverse. He's the Lord of the, the metaverse. Can I get an Amen. And a lot of people, again, that don't go to traditional church are connecting in these things, coming to faith, hearing about Jesus, and growing his disciples. Um, so we call all of that this kind of a blended ecology ecosystem. Have any of you ever heard of this guy, John Wesley? Anybody? Okay. Uh, did you know that he said a thing like, uh, the world is my parish? So what does that look like in the 21st century? To consider the world as our parish. And, and he was not just saying that for like the Methodist preachers, but the whole people of God. One of the things about Methodism is we really figured out how to release the apostlehood of all believers. And laity and clergy and circuit riders all kind of serving together in ministry, right? That was part of core of who we are as the people called Methodists. And so the world is our parish the way we're thinking about it. What if every space in our community is a God space? where church can happen, where the Holy Spirit is saying, come on and join me in people's lives and join in these, these life-giving things that people are doing, getting together to have conversations about their dogs or to eat burritos together or to whatever that thing is in your community, to have coffee. I hear that's kind of a big thing here, coffee, right? Uh, what, what are those things that we can get together and do? So we're seeing the whole world as our parish. The church is a really building is an essential part of that. We're not in any way saying, we need to not do traditional church anymore. We need to just go all do this new thing. What what we're saying is actually traditional church is really, really important in this ecosystem. It's where we worship God. It's where we go through a discipleship journey. It's where we learn to pray. It's where we do all those things, but we can't just only do that anymore. We're in a situation where just most people are just not connecting at all and we're going to have to go out and find these new and creative ways and do both and. To do church right here like we're doing this morning in a way that glorifies God and to do that out in the world in these new and kind of creative ways. We call that a blended ecology of church. Paul gives us this image in Romans 11 of um, the church is an olive tree where there's a, a rootedness and a depth uh, to the church, but God is grafting, Paul says, these wild branches into the deep roots of the tree. Uh, and so these little communities, these Gentile communities in his day that were in Antioch and the seven churches of Asia Minor, God's grafting those into this, this whole new organism. And what if every tree, uh, every church could kind of look like that? Um, this is actually a real plant. It's called ketchup and fries. Did you know you can grow your ketchup and french fries on the same plant? Did y'all know this? Isn't it amazing? It's pretty awesome. It changes potlucks forever. Um, But this grows potatoes in the ground, tomatoes up top, uh, ketchup and fry plant. What if every church could be a hybrid organism where we do traditional church? We do that well with deep roots in our traditions and our theology and a depth that's happening there. But we're also creating these colorful little things and then God's grafting those together together. Uh, to create this kind of hybrid organism. So the question I want to leave y'all with this morning is God calling you to join the apostlehood, the apostlehood of all believers. And could you think about uh, just some, some questions maybe to guide you uh, as you go and pray this week and as you study scripture. Uh, I encourage you to really study this passage for yourself and, and dig into it. But what are your passions and your hobbies? What are the things you like to do outside the church? could those things become a way to kind of little uh, a church community to spring up out of that so rather than trying to get people to come back to uh the the sanctuary that they probably never are going to how do you turn your hobbies out, a passions interests into church with them where do you like to hang out where are those places where you like to frequent is it a restaurant a coffee shop a park a dog park uh, wherever that is, is there, there a place where you can get a small community of people together and talk about faith and have conversations that are spiritual in nature? What clubs, networks, groups do you belong to? If you don't belong to any and you can't answer these questions affirmatively and maybe you're thinking, well, I'm at the church on Wednesday for practice and Thursday for Bible study and Saturday for this or whatever meetings, uh, maybe you need to not do some of that stuff. <laughs> Uh, So that you can go out and actually be out in the community forming relationships with people outside the church. And that's just a simple way that we can embody what Jesus is telling us. And do you have a person of peace? Do you have somebody who's a a practitioner of yoga? Or somebody who likes to go to the dog park with you? Or somebody who uh, owns a a coffee shop or a restaurant where you like to hang out? A welcomer who's saying, yeah, come on, you you can do that here and have faith conversations here. And then could those things possibly become kind of fresh expressions of church or new little Christian communities that, that meet right where, where people are? We don't uh, just take a test and get a learner's permit and call ourselves a Christian. Uh, that, that is a journey and a process of grace that plays out in our daily lives as we follow Jesus in the world and share our faith with people that we encounter there. As we embody God's love and the aroma of Christ in the world, we we connect with people and form community right where we are. And so be a part of the apostlehood of all believers. Go forth and follow Jesus wherever he goes. Amen.